Well, we are, uh, today is finally here. Today is Commitment Sunday, and we are celebrating our great God and His blessings in our life and what God's called us to do as His people in this place. And if you're a guest here today, well, then rest easier. If today you just walked in for the first time, just relax, because you might enjoy watching God's people respond in faith and obedience to God's guidance in our lives. And if you're not a guest here, but you you're just were shocked because I said that, because, um, you know, I'm announcing that it's Commitment Sunday, well, then you need to dash, uh, let me help you dash through your last-minute preparations, because there's a lot to juggle. So get to your Bible and then turn to Genesis 12 or Hebrews 11. We're going to be in both those places today. And maybe you can get your uh, commitment card in one hand and your first fruits offering envelope in the other, so you're kind of ready. And then that way I can help you, because... The first fruits offering is for the offering that we're going to give today, or uh, uh, then we'll extend if you have extra that you want to give through the end of the year to help with this. And then the uh, commitment card is for the next three years of what we're saying. Here's what we're going to pledge to give to the Lord by faith. And um, it's a lot to juggle. If, if you're just starting to think about it, I need to help a bit, I think. A few years ago, I went to the Department of Motor Vehicle to renew my driver's license. I didn't really want to go, but time was running out. It was my birthday, and they said I had to, and it was a hassle, and, and it was time, and so I had to go take the written test. And, you know, there's a whole book on what you need to know so you can uh, pass that test successfully, but I didn't read it. I was just going to wing it. Not, not that I remember, you know, how many feathers you're allowed to have fall off your truck before it's illegal or, or you know, how much this weighs or how fast you're supposed to go at a certain spot, but... Anyway, I thought I would just guess, I hope. And, you know, here at church, we have our books, too. We have the, the most important one, of course, the Bible, which is our guide for faith and practice. What does the Bible say? How do we live by it? Because we believe God is giving us His Word because He wants to uh, show us how to live. And then for specifically this uh, emphasis we've had the last few weeks, we have this inspired journey from dust to glory that we've been looking at the journey God's been taking us on. And if you didn't get a hold of one of these but you wanted to, I actually believe we still have a few left in the back and you could have one. So I get to the Department of Motor Vehicle. I finally get to the front of the line and the clerk is there and asked me my business. I told her, well, I need to take the written test. And so she gets out. This was a while ago, so I think it was the long form. You fill it with a pencil. And uh, she says, um, <clears throat> she's going to hand it to me. But before she did, I said, well, are there any new questions on the the exam since the last time I took it 10 years ago. And she said, well, yes, there are. There are three. I said, well, what are they? And to, to my surprise, she knew exactly which three questions were new, and she read them. And then with a straight face, I looked at her and I said, what are the answers to those three questions? <laughs> this is a true story. And she told me. So then I said, thank you. I think the first one was A, and the second one was B, and the third one was B. Or, you know, you had the three little boxes you could fill in. So I said, thank you. I'm now ready to take the test. She said, never mind. And she just checked it like I'd passed with 100. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I'm here to be your helper. If you haven't read the book, if you haven't gotten ready for today's test, then I'm here to help you pass. Uh, so work with me on this. Because we've been on this inspired spiritual journey walking with God. And it's inspired because we believe it comes from God and He's our leader and He's leading us. And it's spiritual because God's a spirit. And those who come to God do so in faith. And it's a journey because God wants to move us from where we are to where He wants us to be. And He doesn't just leave us the way He finds us. He continues to work in our hearts and in our lives to draw us closer to Himself and to reveal more of Himself to us and to help us to get in line with what He wants to accomplish in this world. <clears throat> so most of us, when we're told, okay, you're going to need to change, start with resistance. We don't want to move. 
And even if we agree that God's leading, it takes a while to move from being a resistor to being on board, to being enthusiastic, to getting to where you participate with joy. I don't want anybody feeling guilty or feeling their arm twisted. I want you to participate in this inspired journey and make a commitment today with joy. Only give at the level that you can give with joy. Or don't quit until you get to joy. How about that? You just keep giving until you say, no, that gives me joy. And we know that God's at work in this world. He's got plans. And God always in his plans, you could see it 2,000 years before Jesus. You see it with Jesus. You see it with us and everybody in between that God always teams up with people to do his work in this world. And so he, when he has people as his partners, and he's looking for some in Dana Point, San Clemente, San Juan, this area, Laguna Beach, Laguna Niguel, us right here. He's teaming up with us to do his work, and he's wanting the people to say, come on, let's accomplish what God wants done. So joining God's team is, you could almost fill in the blank with lots of different things. It's exhilarating. It's an adventure. It's scary. It's expensive. It changes you. You're never the same. God asks things that are impossible, and he expects us to move forward in faith. And then he makes a way where there's no way. And he, I mean, he loves to do that. He's done it over and over and over. Why are we surprised when God says, go this way, and then he provides a miracle to make it happen? We've been studying in this book, uh, The Life of Abraham and Sarah, and we've seen that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we want to know more about our God and know how to be people of greater faith. God has a plan for this world. He wants to bless this world. And God uses people to fulfill his plan. God used Abraham and Sarah against incredible, impossible odds. In fact, our situation doesn't require nearly as much faith as theirs did. We're trying to build a building, okay, four buildings, and deck a parking lot. And it'll be time-consuming and expensive and, uh, you know, irritating. We'll have to get out of the way so that they can do it. But God had come to Abraham and Sarah and said, make a baby. I'm going to give you your own son. They were 65 and 75. And then God waited 25 more years just to be sure they knew it was a miracle, that it really wasn't up to them. So our situation is difficult. I think theirs was impossible or miraculous because God was in it. They heard God's voice, so they followed in obedience. And God blessed them as he promised. He blessed them with a land and with a son and with a slew of descendants. And God blessed the whole world through them. So Jesus himself actually was one of the descendants from Abraham's family. God took Abraham and Sarah on a journey. It started by speaking to them, so he inspired them. They heard his voice, and they received his vision. That put them on their knees in prayer, saying, God, how's that going to work? Finally brought them to a place of saying, surrender. Lord, your will be done. And then of sacrifice. God, whatever you want, you can have. And then they made a commitment to follow him in all things. Well, God cast a vision. He inspired Abraham. He said, join with me in reaching everybody in the world. Notice in Genesis 12, in beginning verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in your you and all the families of the earth will be blessed. One of the best verses of the Bible is next. So Abraham went just as the Lord had told him. 
I mean, that's a great summary of his life, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to have that? God gave you a, a, a challenging job to do, and you did it. Abraham was committed to the vision. I mean, they had started in, in obedience, and there was plenty of uncertainty, and God led them all the way, and it cost them plenty, and he blessed them beyond their wildest imaginations. And Abraham moved the vision forward through his obedience. See, God could have done it without them, but he chose to work through people. He could work here in Dana Point without us, but he's choosing to work through people. And more than once, Abraham and Sarah found themselves talking to God, praying to God, saying, God, you gave us these promises. When are they going to be fulfilled? It seemed like it took so long, but God is never late. And God's vision was so huge, God, it's going to take a miracle. We too could feel overwhelmed at the size of what God's called us to do. So join me in praying. Pray for me. Pray for our church every day. Pray that God would speak to your heart. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? How do you want me to pray? The answer is yes. After all, how are you going to measure your life? By what you owned? Is it the one with the most toys who dies wins? Or is it by what you did? Look at, I accomplished this and this and this in my career. Is it by your schooling of, boy, I went to this school or that? Or is it really, how are you part of God's vision, God's plan to impact eternity? Our lives will be measured by how we are part of God's vision. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, do this job. And Abraham went. He followed God. He moved. For him, it meant taking his loser relative Lot along, his nephew. Now, by the way, it's Thanksgiving this week, and so you might be with some irregular people who are your relatives. God seems to like making irregular people. He made lots of them. Every family seems to have at least one. In fact, if yours doesn't, it's probably you, and, <laughs> and you haven't figured that out yet. So be nice to those people. Abraham was, took him with him, and uh, then he, it put him into a time of where he had to move out of a house and move into a tent. Now, it's one thing to go camping for a day or two. Some of you have given up on camping and gone condo camping. I understand that. But Abraham here at 75 years old begins to camp, and he did it for the next 100 years living in a tent. Found himself in a time of famine found himself in the middle of a war, found himself waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, God fulfilled his promise and gave them the son of promise. And then after a few years, God tested Abraham, said, give him back to me. And Abraham obeyed God and passed the test. And after that, which we talked about last week, where he gave his son Isaac back uh, to God, really that was the supreme test in his life. The chapters after that talk about how his wife had died at 127 years old, and so he made provisions for her to be buried in a cave, and then he found a wife for his son because his son was still single at 37, and he was ready for him to get married and move on, and then Abraham settled his estate. But then in Genesis 25, it says, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave alongside of his wife. The question, when your life is over, will your work be done? 
When your life is over, will your work be done? The work that God had in mind for you, the good deeds that he prepared in advance for you to do, when you've run out of clock, will you have fulfilled the jobs? Because the clock is running. There's no time out, and life just keeps moving forward. And Abraham's life wasn't just years in fullness. It was defined by faith, of taking great steps of faith because he heard God's voice, and he made a commitment to say, I'm going to walk with God. And that's his legacy. What will you leave as your legacy? You know, the place you can study this for Abraham outside of the book of Genesis is in Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is a whole chapter on faith. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. And you look at the faith of Abraham and Sarah. It's why they were considered righteous before God. It says in verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Do you know that inheritance was given to Abraham and he didn't receive it until after he had died, which you would think, now what kind of inheritance is that, that I only get it after I'm gone? By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Now, Isaac was his son, of course, who was born when he was, uh, Abraham was 100. And then Jacob is one of his grandsons that's born when he was 160. So when he died at 175 and his two grandsons were 15 years old, they were teenagers, I mean, here he'd given this promise that his descendants would be like the sand of the seashore, and all that Abraham saw was one son and two grandsons. He was looking forward to the city that had foundations. He was tired of living in a tent. <laughs> a city whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive after when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead at a hundred, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah's faith is a standard for each of us to follow their example, to hear God's voice and obey. That's what we're asking everybody to do. Everybody can't give the same level, but everybody can participate in saying, God, I want to join into this journey of faith. What do you want from me? What do you want with my stuff? And we have this fear that if I follow God, if I give God a free hand with my life, he's going to take it all. I won't have anything left for my kids or my grandkids or for my security or for my comfort or for my fill-in-the-blank. And you don't know God's blessing. You don't know what God's going to do after you're, you are obedient. In fact, the Bible talks about when people are obedient, God is blessed. And there's other times where people delay in their obedience and God delays. He holds back blessings that he was going to give. Blessings like rain. And his benevolences. So you look at Abraham and the promises he was given and the guidance from God. God said, you're going to have a son. And at 100 for Abraham and 90 for Sarah, they gave birth to Isaac. <laughs> that means laughter because they had laughed in God's face when he first told them. They were given the promise their descendants would be like the sand in the seashore. And the only part that was fulfilled in Abraham's life was a son and two grandchildren. They were given land. You know, it took about 500 years for the land to become theirs, and then they lost it. 
And then they gained it again. And then they lost it again. And then it was gone for about 1,900 years. And then in 1948, they got some of it back. And in 1967, they gained a little more of it back. And they're still fighting it over it like cats and dogs. And the land of Israel is still not as big as the promises God gave to Abraham. I don't think God's done. The story's not complete yet because God always fulfills his promises. And that one isn't full. He gave him the promise that he would bless the whole world through Abraham. And the biggest blessing was in Jesus, born in Nazareth in the year that we call 4 B.C. because somebody wasn't that good at math. And um, he was also God's, not a human, just a human being. He was God's son, God come in human flesh. And he died for the sin of the whole world. And so the whole world was blessed because their sin could be forgiven. And today Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Abraham and Sarah died, but that's not the end. They lived as strangers on the earth almost their whole life as foreigners, but God had something better for them. He had a treasure for them himself. God is the treasure. God had prepared a place for them in heaven, and he's done the same for you. And this world is not our home. We're just passing through from dust to glory, but what we do here matters and will matter for eternity. So don't just live for the things in this life because these are only a shadow of what is to come. So if you can see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, handle it, smell it, it's not going with you. It's staying here. And you and I have an opportunity in this life to make a difference. So let your view of eternity affect how you live now because that's where we're going to spend most of our life. Look how this list of heroes in the Hebrews concludes. Chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. We've got to run with our eyes on the prize. All these believers who'd lived in such a way that God would say to them, well done, well done, well done. It's a cloud of witnesses, too many to name. Now, there's some that, I mean, there's a cloud of witnesses just from South Shore's. They hadn't lived when the writer of Hebrews was writing or he could have included them. Like Roland and Genevieve Cole. She had a Bible study in her home. And they had this dream from God, what about if we help this become a church? Or Pastor Davidson who gave early guidance. Or Pastor Chuck Waters who cared about this little flock and their needs. Or Pastor Don Cole, 17 years of faithfulness and compassion and helping the church to get stable and whole and well. Or Pastor Ted Cole who lifted our sights and got this sanctuary built. We started worshiping here 20 years ago next month. Or Vern Johnson and Stan Scholl, who labored untiringly to get that project accomplished. Or Helen and Mel Pierce, servants and prayer warriors from the beginning. And now Mel has gone on to heaven. 
of Wayne Johnson, who helped us to begin a foundation to say we've got to take care of our future and give gifts now that can be used in, in the future so that the church can be whole and, and healthy and continue to do its ministry. And Tandy and Ruth and the guidance they've given and so many others. So how are we going to keep going? We need to be inspired by God and by His Word, listen to His voice, to put aside the temporal and our sin, to run with our eyes on the goal, to live every day in such a way that our eyes are on the goal. How do we reach the goal? To keep our eyes on Jesus and to do it together. You know, we have been through this anguishing process that ended with those beautiful green shirts that Joe talked about that uh, finally heard the city saying yes, and the master plan is now uh, approved, but it's still just a dream. But someday it will become a reality, a tool in God's hand to fulfill the great commission of Jesus, to help make disciples of all nations, starting right here at home where we live. So part of the urgency for me is now that we've been given a green light to move forward, the requirements continue to get harder to reach. And now is the time that we can get this done so that these are tools that can be used to help people to introduce them to Jesus and to help them to grow in their faith. And time is flying by. People who've wanted to be part of it keep getting older, and some of them haven't been able to wait, and they've gone on to glory. In fact, just this past spring when the city of Dana Point approved our project 5-0, at that very time we had two of our pastors and two of our key staff, all who've been here more than a dozen years, who all had major health issues going at the same time, serious life-threatening issues that could mean they would have to retire or not even live much longer. It's time for us to rise up and to follow God in faith. It's time to pray. It's time to give. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to build. It's time to move forward. And so we put a plan out in front of us that said, we're going to pray for $20 million. That won't cover all the need. It was as far as our faith could stretch. Today we are receiving our first fruits offering in the envelope and the uh, commitment for the next three years on this card. And so if you haven't started, well, I'm helping you to get ready because today's the day for us to say in commitment, Lord, here's what I think you want from me. It's evident in the Bible that God is patient and he's long-suffering and God will accomplish his work in this world and he doesn't need you or me, but he chooses to invite us to participate in the process with him and he loves to use people as his partners now, think about this. He has before. There's, there's places in the Bible where because of people's lack of faith or their resistance against what God was doing, God said, that's fine. I'll take you out of the game. Sit on the bench. I'll put somebody else in the game, and they will win the game. And the blessings of one generation were postponed for the next generation. God's willing to do that, but I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want the blessings that God had intended for us to be given to the next generation, to you. I mean, here we are. We have a chance. Wouldn't you rather be a player on the winning team than a fan of the team from a distance? We have lots of fans watching us from heaven already, cheering us on in a project that they helped to get started or helped to do better, but we have this moment now where we actually get to help win the game. So take the commitment card with me. Look at this a minute. This is a faith commitment card. It's not a binding contract. What you put on here is saying, by faith, if God supplies, I am going to provide this. It's a three-year commitment, so it's bigger than you can do in a year. It's over and above. 
So these gifts are intended to be over and above your regular giving to church because if you just took your regular giving and moved it over here to the building fund, that doesn't really help. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And if we all run to the same side of the boat, we'll tip the thing over. So we need to have our regular giving come in and then this is over and above. You need to give with expectancy to say, God, you, ex you, you told me what to do and so I'm following you in obedience and I expect to see that you're going to be blessing needs to be joyful so it's not under compulsion or coercion but it's a free will offering through your own prayer and the holy spirit guiding and directing you and your spouse or your family i mean there should be joy in responding to what god has asked us to do so give at the level of your joy do you know your pastors and staff last week filled theirs out in advance at, at my request and i announced last sunday that just your pastors and your staff which was about 30 people, gave over a million dollars because they're all in. On Monday morning, one of our staff people came in the office and said, could I have my commitment card back? And so they gave it to him. And he took the card and wondered, we wondered what he was going to do with it. And if you give a commitment, then you want it back. You can have it back as well. He took his and he added a one. So he, he was essentially adding, he added $100,000 to his first fruits offering. We had just announced that the first fruits offering, that somebody has uh, stepped forward to say, you can use mine for a match, uh, that if people give in the first fruits a million dollars, I will match that. And uh, so um, he added a one, he added $100,000. So I said, how do, you, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, when you're 70 and a half years old or older, you can give directly from your IRA, and uh, so he did that. You can give up to $100,000 each year, the IRS has said, but they procrastinate. So they haven't approved it for 15, 2015 yet, but they did in 2014. And they have every year that you can give up to $100,000 from an IRA, but it, you don't get to count it as a contribution credit, but you also don't have to count it as income so you don't have to be taxed on it. And so this person came and did that, said, I'm going to give $100,000 from my IRA. And then they laughed with joy. Yes. God's using me to do a great gift, and they found a lot of joy in it. I also learned from these cards that over a million dollars is going to come from our current staff people in their estates. There's a spot on here of what do you anticipate from your estate is coming into the church, and that over a million dollars is going to be coming from our pastors and staff to South Shores when they go to heaven. Makes it kind of hard knowing how to pray for them, doesn't it? <laughs> Just kidding. You know, heaven's going to be a long time, I figure, so you don't have to be the first ones at the party. You can be, you know, you can be a little bit late, and we will still enjoy heaven forever and ever. Well, your deacons turned their cards in in advance this week, um, and uh, of the deacons who so far, I think nine out of 12 have gotten theirs turned in, and uh, their gifts total at $1,287,300 just from our deacons. Isn't that great? Yeah, I think we should applaud their, our, our leaders on this. They serve you, they care for you, they pray for you, they love you, they, they guide you, they lead, and they're leading in generosity. So let's look at this card. 
If you've already got yours filled out, in just a moment, we're going to have some beautiful music, and I want you to take just a few steps as far as part of this journey to step forward and to put it on the table with the choirs or in one of the baskets here, or there's two baskets in the back. If you have difficulty walking, I'm sure somebody will walk by. You can hand your card to them, and we can give our gifts to the Lord. We can put our first fruits offering here and, and our gift. I want you to know so far of gifts people have already turned in, it's over $6 million dollars. Six million dollars. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I don't know what we'll end up collecting, but um, it's the largest gift we've ever collected as a church at one time. And God is at work in us. And so um, I, I want you ready, prepared. If you've got the card prepared, great. But if you're looking at it and you're saying, what are the answers to those three questions? Then let me give you the answers. The first is to put as large a gift as you can on the first fruits line, step number one, because it will be matched. So your gift will be worth twice what you give. The second step is to look to say, what could I give by week or by month for the next three years or by year? And put a number there by faith. And then the third is to say, are there gifts other than cash uh, that we might uh, be able to give? And then a fourth is an estate gift to say, here's what I think is in our estate, because we know there's 30 families already that have put the church into their estate, and, and you you could do this as well. And then get this ready to go. When we have all of these added up and figured out the totals, then we will know what is the most prudent step forward for us to take. We've wondered, could we bite off the whole enchilada at the same time? I don't know the answer to that. It would be the fastest, cheapest, least painful way for us to move forward. But we're going to do this in a prudent manner and uh, take just the right uh, uh, amount of step forward as we can, uh, can do by faith. You know, God wants to lead each of us from being a spectator to being a participant, from leading us from fear to faith, from, a, well, I don't really want to participate to, to saying, well, I'll do something to, I'll do all I can to God, what do you want from me? The answer is yes. People tend to follow a path of, God, I, I hear your voice. I'm willing to be part of your vision. God, I, this is going to take prayer. It's going to stretch me. God, I lay down my desires. You can use me or my stuff or my time or my abilities, whatever you want. God, I believe you want me to sacrifice so that your word will go forward. God, turn my beliefs into action and commitment. So I want you to take this card and to fill it out. You might need to even talk with your spouse some. Uh, obviously, we learned over and over that people have struggled with this, and that's an important part of this. I'm going to pray. Well, as we hear the music, you come and, and uh, give your gifts to the Lord, our first fruits and our commitment cards. Come even as we hear the music. Dear Jesus, thank you that you gave for us. You set aside the glories of heaven, and that cost you something. You had to live in a human body for a period of time, and that was limiting. You lived among human beings, and that could have been so frustrating for somebody of your ability and station in life, and you were willing even to die for us because that was the necessary sacrifice, and we could never provide it on our own. So we thank you, and we thank you that we can participate in your story of telling that story of Jesus and of his love and of his sacrifice to this whole world. So as we get our campus ready to be a tool to be used in your hands, may we give with generosity and with great joy. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.